folks, and welcome to the last episode of the Team Builder Podcast for 2020, uh, which, by the way, I'm looking forward to getting over with. I'm sure you are, too. Um, so this time I decided to do something a little bit different. I've been kind of joking about doing a solo cast, <laughs> just me getting on the mic and jamming for an hour. Um, anyway, I'm not going to do that, but what I did do is, is I brought in my partner in crime and my co-founder, James, and we did jam for about an hour. We just went after it and um, we had a great time. It was, it was good just to talk about, you know, watching Team Builder kind of come along and what we have planned for the future. Um, we didn't really have an agenda. We just kind of got into some things and talked a little bit about the values of our company. Um, we've been running Team Builder for about eight years now. We've had employees for you know four or five years. Ten employees today. Um, by all means, we are not the perfect company, um, but we like our trajectory and the way we're going. And if you're someone who's interested in starting a business, you know, maybe this will be helpful to you, especially from the perspective of like a bootstrapped uh, small business owner. So anyway, without further ado, here is James and I, uh, jamming for an hour. Hey, what's up, James? Hey, Hewitt. How you doing? Good, good. So this is just like, um, I guess, a regular call, except we're on record. So we'll have to <laughs> filter ourselves from all those bad things that we say privately, right? Yeah, I know. So. It's been it's been fun seeing you every day. Still though, you know, in the office here, it's a little lonely. Just uh, just got the yeah. rack behind me and and the former sales shed that was very active. So it's nice nice to see you this morning. So I guess we'll have to do a, like a quick recap on the year when. So like back in February, before March hit, we had a, an engineer in the office named Colin was like myself a public health major but unlike me he like actually paid attention to public health issues and way before anyone was talking about coronavirus Colin gave a presentation to the office and he was like more than likely we're gonna have to not meet in the office anymore and more than likely someone or someone you someone you know is gonna die from coronavirus and I think we're all in the conference room like this is like, it might have been January. You remember this? It, yeah, and we it was, were all like really. It was it was it was probably a month before really anything happened. Uh, I think. Um, and what and was crazy was that. Okay. What was crazy is that like when it, it was like a good presentation, like it was very informative. And at the end, he's like, "Okay, yes." Yeah, so to conclude, everyone here, more than likely, someone you know is going to die. And we we're all <laughs> like, "What?" Um, yeah, it was. It was a very informative. It was. It was probably the most informative um, one that presentation had been given. Um, the ones before that were, you know, they were, they were entertaining, but definitely not as, uh, not as on point as that one. <laughs> we are not known for big thorough meetings here at Team Builder, are we? No, not at all. This is, this is about as formal as it gets. Yeah, this is, this is about as formal as it gets. Um, so yeah, when, when things hit in March, things got crazy. I was actually on vacation and it's so funny because like, re remember, remember when everyone was like, yeah, the craziest stuff always happens when two is on vacation. <laughs> so what, what was like another thing that like happened when I was like out or something? Well, well, usually it was, um, it was like the week a new employee was starting. 
Um, oh, yeah. After they started, just kind of, you know, throwing them into the fire there, which, you know, may have been a good thing. They, they had to learn quickly. Um, uh-huh. But usually the, the, the most extravagant support questions or uh, intricate sales happen uh, while you're gone and, and there's nobody, nobody to ask. It usually, usually gets asked to me and my answer is like, mm, we have to bother Hugh while he's on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, though. That's happened so many times. And then, of course, this happens, like, literally as I'm on vacation. I remember the moment I was, like, in a pool at the Airbnb, and this other guy who's, like, hosting us, he's in the pool with us, and he's like, oh, my God, Tom Hanks has COVID. And remember when, like, when Tom Hanks got COVID, that was, like, the first domino? Everybody finally realized it was real. Like, Tom Hanks got it. Like It was, like, either the first American or, like, the first famous American or, like, We've probably been been told by the world for like weeks, like COVID's a real thing. And then it took Tom Hanks for it to be like, oh my God, COVID's a real thing. When he was stuck in Australia, which may not be too bad. You know, we, we enjoyed our time there. Dude, we could talk about that real quick. We haven't been traveling at all, obviously, since COVID. We've missed a lot of clinics and conferences, things that we really like to go to. But we took a trip to Australia, just you and me, to go to the ANSCA conference. That's like Australia's version of the NSCA. And dude, how freaking cool is Australia? Oh, it's great. Um, just being able to drive. What did we drive? Like forty-five minutes. We were from. We went from the beach to like this. These beautiful mountains. Yeah, um, it was. It was great. The food. The the, the burgers were great too. <laughs> yeah, we there's like this fast casual burger chain um, in Australia, and James and I. The food's good no matter what. But we cannot stop eating at this burger joint. Like we were embarrassed because every time we were hungry, we were like, hey, do you want to go to that burger place? And everyone just thinks it's hilarious to this day. I'll have calls with Australians. So I'd be like, hey, do you know that burger place? Yeah, we're obsessed with that. They think it's hilarious. I don't, I don't even know if they think it's good or not. I mean, we thought it was good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, you know, the, the people in Australia are super, super cool, super, super friendly. And like you said, we we had like a night off from like work or whatever. So we just like booked a random Airbnb in the rainforest. And the, the funniest thing about the rainforest is that like uh, you hear the craziest noises from the craziest animals that you can't see. And I thought I was like in Jurassic Park. Like, you know, here in the States, like you go to a forest and like you hear a bird or you hear something. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a bullfrog or whatever. I was hearing noises in the rainforest. I was like, dude, I don't know what kind of animal this is. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and, and not only up there, I think we um, we were fortunate enough to meet with one of our customers who, um, did he train? He trains, did he train surfers? Or he took us out stand-up paddle? Yeah. yeah, so he had, he had like a beach, like a beach town, little CrossFit style gym, but he, he did athletic performance, but it was like a beat, a small beach town. And he was like the gym for the beach town. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but to your point of, you know, not knowing what's out there, we, I, I vividly remember we go out on, on the stand up paddle boards and, you know, we're in a little, you know, subset of the ocean there and we're starting to paddle out. And, you know, I hadn't even stand up paddleboarded before. So I'm like trying to figure this whole thing out. And he's just talking to us about all the things in Australia and the ocean that can kill you. And he just, he just starts going down the list. Down it's like, the yeah, list. there's, there's this bacteria that like swims up your penis and it will kill you. <laughs> we're like, we're like, as we're paddleboarding, we're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, I better not fall out here because like, I'm going to die. I think the, I think the, the scariest one was like, 
some translucent he was trying to describe it some translucent object that like if it hits your skin you don't even know it and you develop a rash and then like 24 hours later you're dead and i'm like oh my gosh this is not good <laughs> yeah yeah as we're paddle boarding and then he takes us to like this rocky beach and it's like rocky his feet are like battle hardened because he's like a surfer outdoorsman probably coaches in this gym barefoot so he's like walking on the beach like hey no problem and you and i were like the sharpest rocks and shells are just like stabbing or feet I, i'm like, the worst with that anyway but i i could i could barely i had to jump into the grass or whatever i could find <laughs> he really he really gave us the uh he really gave us the uh experience yeah so obviously none of that i'm guessing for quite some time i mean i know like the vaccine is starting to roll out but you know it still might be a couple months or a year before we do any kind of conferences or clinics and yeah, stuff I like that I think that's been one of the hardest things. I mean, just, you know, just an hour ago, um, you know, Luke, Luke, our, our sales manager here posted in, in our, our company messaging board, um, you know, some videos from a conference we were at, you know, we'd, we'd be getting prepared now for what NSCA coaches in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just always a great time to, to see customers, coaches just get out there and, and, you know, we're obviously we're a small company and we, you know, prior to, prior to COVID, we would see the same, you know, five, six people every day. And uh, it's nice yeah. to you know, get out, get somewhere new. Um, so definitely missing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's like, it's a different kind of like camaraderie outside the office because you get to interact with your customers as a company, you know, put your game face on. Um, and then just like quality time spent, you know, like, you know, sharing meals after a long day on the exhibit floor, you know, breaking down the exhibit, getting really stressed about packing everything and throwing it in the van. <laughs> you know, that's the, I mean, the key was always trying to find um, where the beer cart was at the end of the conference. That was the most stressful part. You know, is, is your booth close enough to the beer station? Yeah, you that's where the lines are. Your drinks there. Um yeah, man. And that's where the stories are made. You know, the, the conference stories are so epic. Um, there's too many to name. Um, maybe we'll do another podcast on conferences at some point, but there's a lot there. It might not be a good idea. There's too many. <laughs> yeah. Um, so working remote, you know, what's interesting is like maybe halfway through the summer when the COVID numbers were really low, you know, James and I kind of consulted with Colin, who's our, again, our in-house public health expert. And we kind of felt like with a staggered schedule and some precautions around the office, wearing masks, stuff like that, we could probably bring people back to the office and, and figure that out. And what we found out was that, like, no one really wanted to, to come back. Um, I, I think people definitely liked working from home. Um, and, you know, if we can't all be there together, um, it, you know, then what's the point kind of thing. So we, we kind of found out that at some point, James and I were coming to the office together, they're keeping our distance, that kind of stuff. But, um, it was just me and James and our office was like the physical office space. It's not really an office that, you know, we were actually a, work, a remote working company. Yeah. We were, we were in the office together doing, doing zoom calls that we were both on at the same time with the rest of the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think, yeah, I understand it too. I mean, um, for, for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, we're 
um, located right out of Washington, D.C. And um, I, I actually live in Maryland and, and Hewitt was living in D.C. And um, I think we're split, right? We, we were split with uh, with our employees, like who was li- who were living in Maryland and D.C. And, yeah, um, you know, for me, it was I think for you, it was like 15, 20 minute drive into the office. But, you know, for for other employees, it was potentially 40 minutes, if not more. And um, I think they enjoyed getting that time back. You know, um, if you were having a hard time finding time to work out, if you didn't do it at the office, so, you know, now you had some extra time to, to do that or, you know, um, spend time, spend more time with your dogs. Uh, that, that's been a trend that, that team builder here. This, uh, yeah. During the dog adoptions, doggy adoptions. Um, so, you know, I, I get it. It makes sense. Um, you know, but we did we did have a, a good thing going at the office. It was it was always fun. So, um, not having that anymore has has you know been a little tough. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the good thing is we 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 built up a good a good base with um, with our employees as we've been growing, and then and then we did make our first remote hire. Um, what was that back in August September? Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard, I heard Kyle Kyle one of our developers who's who's in Iowa. Um, so I, I think, you know, I don't know that we would have done that. You know, I think we'd always talked about yeah in the house because we wanted to build culture. And um, obviously, like like a lot of people, COVID forced us to, you know, do everything remotely anyway. So when it came time to, you know, bringing on somebody remotely, it wasn't as difficult as we maybe we would have thought it would have been otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the effects of working remote, I think it's pretty clear, like what what's what the what the outcome is. Productivity has gone up. Mm-hmm. I think people have gotten their commute time back. Um, you know, some could argue you focus better at home, less distractions. I mean, our office was a lot of fun. I wouldn't call it like full of distractions, but yeah, I mean, when you're sitting clustered together at eight desks in one big room. And, you know, we play video games at lunch hour. That stuff is good. I don't think that was bad at all for productivity or anything that's good for team building. But you take that away and obviously people fill their time with probably more work. Um, and then at the same time, it's been hard to kind of keep up a company culture remotely. We've tried like Zoom happy hours and stuff like that, but it just kind of feels forced, right? To, to kind of make everyone go around and be like, what are you doing this weekend? And, you know, how is your week? I mean, that stuff just kind of happens naturally in the office. Um, but I think our way around that is just to communicate more individually between each other. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we've, we've figured out. And, it, and it's hard too. you know, we, we did being a, a small team, we did do, you know, we tried to do a lot of fun stuff together. Yeah. We, we, we had a company soccer team going for a while and, and um or football depending on where you're from um and you know we we would uh play video games together once in a while top, just to break top up golf video. outings my favorite yeah. top top golf outings um so we got to figure that out and, and you know the answer might be might be the conferences once they come back you know just yeah getting everybody together and and um you know, obviously working the conference but but doing some fun stuff afterwards yeah, get the band back together. What if we just showed up to a conference with our whole company, just all like 11, 12 people and yeah. big orange t-shirts? Maybe people maybe would think we'd find another prime time that can see 10 people. Our staff might outsize the NSCA staff to be like, who's actually <laughs> running this place? <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, look, maybe late summer, James and I kind of figured out, okay, this office is not going to be what it used to be anytime soon. Um, and then we started thinking to ourselves, as we should, you know, if, if we don't have to be here physically, um, where do we want to be physically? And that resulted in some changes. So, you know, James, when you talk about what, you know, what this year's let you take advantage of. Yeah, you know, um, we we had been potentially looking to move for, for a little bit of time. I, I have two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and um, we, you know, that's kind of getting to the time where, where we got to send a four-year-old to kindergarten. So, you know, we were okay where we were, but we wanted to see if we could, you know, maybe relocate to get into a really good school district for them. And, um, you know, just, I, I, I uh, live in a town called Bowie and I've been there pretty much my whole life. So, you know, doing something different always uh, sounds good. So we were, you know, we, we had been looking for a little while, just 30 minutes within the area, trying to stay close to family and obviously the office, you know, I'm still planning on coming in here every day. Um, and after a few months of, of doing this and Hugh and I kind of realizing that this was probably going to be the new normal for us, you know, working remotely, um, ended up deciding to move to the Eastern shore of Maryland, which is about two and a half hours away, which never would have been an option before and actually had a, you know, luckily had a good school system for it. So it's all, it all worked out. Um, so, and, you know, I, I guess what a lot of people are probably finding out during this time is you know, you spend all this time commuting and going to the office and that's not a great quality of life. I mean, the office was fun. Um, but if you have the opportunity to, you know, choose where you live and, and, you know, not have to worry about that, then you, you know, you can improve your, your quality of your life. So I think, I think that's kind of what we went for. And I, I think that's what you went for too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I guess tell everyone where you live now. Um, so right, well, right now it's kind of, kind of a mess. Um, we, we, uh, moved out, we sold our house in Bowie, um, and, uh, we're living with my in-laws, which, which has been great. I mean, they, they've gotten to spend a lot of time with their grandkids that they would have never otherwise gotten. So that that's been cool too. Um, and then we're just getting ready to move into, uh, move into the new house in, in, uh, small town called Berlin. So it's like West, West Ocean city, Eastern shore of Maryland. Yeah, so the beach. So you know, Maryland. Yeah. For a lot of people out there, probably probably don't know Maryland has beaches, really nice beaches. Um, so James moved to the the Maryland, what we call the Eastern Shore. Still, still in Maryland. I haven't left Maryland yet. <laughs> still Maryland time. <laughs> and, and Bowie, where where you have lived your your whole life, like you said, that's that's kind of the reason why Team Builder is kind of based in Maryland or or DC because you know we went to college together in Baltimore. And, you know, you moved back home to, to live and work in Bowie um, and you graduated before I did. So when I graduated, um, you know, I just moved in with you in Bowie in Maryland uh, and eventually made my way to, to D.C. So that's kind of why our company is based there. If anyone's curious, that's that's James's home base. And we picked pick a spot right between where Hugh and I live that happens to be right down the road from the Redskins. Or, sorry, yeah, the yeah. Yeah, Washington football team. So, yeah. so you know, Bowie is a, a suburb of D.C. And, you know, our my commute was from D.C. to Bowie, 15 minutes. And James was about, you know, 15, 20 minutes from Bowie to the team builder office. So it was a perfect kind of meet in the middle area, which is why we had that office there. 
and it, it looks um, nice behind behind me but um you know we're, we're in an industrial business park you never <laughs> oh yeah we're cheapskates We'll get to that in a little bit, how much of cheapskates we are. That's how we built our business. But now we're being told that we can't be such cheapskates anymore. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I guess I took the same approach James did. Uh, I, I don't have much in terms of family considerations. I don't have any kids yet. And I didn't have any family in the D.C. area. Like I said, I moved there just because I built a business there after college with James. But... Um, you know, my my wife, we lived in a 500 square foot apartment in downtown D.C., um, specifically so that, you know, my wife could be close to her office and it wasn't too much of a commute for me. You know, I didn't consider that quality of life bad at all, except for when the pandemic hit. And I found out that, you know, living downtown in a small space is just not very conducive with social distancing and, and a lot of the stuff going on. Um, so I think when James, you know, talked about moving it, it kind of gave me the green light to think, well, you know, if my wife and I are, are working from home for the next year and the summer was fine, but the winter is going to be brutal, you know, having to be inside all the time, um, you know, we're going to take off and, and take off for a year and, and do something else too. So we moved out to Breckenridge, Colorado. Um, we just thought to ourselves, what's a place in the winter time where we can do a lot of stuff outside, you know, social distance, but be, you know, outdoors. And this place makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. So we're out here on a, a one-year lease and a little bit of a different time zone, but actually kind of nice. I get to work a little bit later hours, which is better for working with our, our West Coast sales rep and some of our Australian customers, which has been kind of good. Yeah. I guess that goes, goes on top of, you know, we made the, the initial remote hire and now we have you know, two others, you know, that, that spending yeah. a lot of time zones now, which, which can be tricky, but um, yeah. I think your move helped that too. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get to stick around a little bit longer for the the new West coast sales rep. Cause um, you know, it's hard when, when he kind of gets going at work later in the day and I'm kind of winding down my day, just takes a lot of energy to give the time and attention that that person deserves. So it's been a little bit better this way. And um yeah, just a, a different going from downtown DC to like a very small mountain town with 3,500 full-time residents. Definitely a big change, but for this circumstance, definitely better. And your place is a small town too. Berlin's like only about 3,700 <laughs> yeah. residents. Um, I, I haven't gotten the full taste of it yet. I mean, I've been going up up and down there. I, I was, um, but you know, Bowie is pretty. I think it's what the second biggest city in, in Maryland, second or third. In terms of yeah, second or third, yes, to Baltimore. So, you know, you're always around a lot of people there um, and you have access to whatever you need. And I, I was laughing the other day. I went to you know, go set up a, a P.O. box so we can get mail <laughs> mail there for the company. And um, I walked into the post office in the middle of the day and it was closed with a handwritten sign saying, like, gone to lunch. And I was like, oh, OK, so I, I guess this is what it's like. You know, we're back uh -huh. to like there's a million people working at the post office and that would never happen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, a good change. Um, so let's talk a little bit about building features. So, you know, this is. I only want to bring this up to talk about like what what does it actually take to build a feature or rebuild a feature? Because like, you know, our company is built on feedback and suggestions from 
our customers who ask to, you know, for features to be built and, and we're more than happy to do it. But then there are also some realities and some, some like realistic uh, limitations that take place with that. So I thought maybe the advantage of having you on James for you to kind of explain like, what does it take to, to do some of this stuff? Because it's not as simple as getting the team together and then sitting down and writing a new feature from scratch. Obviously we've been around for like seven, eight years now, when you have a product that, that, that's this old and this broad, what are some of the implications of, of building or rebuilding features? Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, um, part of our, part of our rebuilding process, you know, involves the updating code that, that I wrote, you know, many years ago when you and I were, were doing this in the basement, you know, so um, we're like any kind of technology, things evolve, you know, day to day, you know, all the time. So you take that across eight years, Technology's changed a lot, and and we've you know always tried to stay at the forefront of that in terms of um, what we're doing. But that also means when when it comes time to rebuild things, um, it takes a little bit more effort and time consideration um, because we're you know rebuilding legacy software. We we don't want to you know keep building on that old product or sorry that old framework so that because you know, it's just going to become irrelevant at some point. So. Um, you know, that being said, any any new feature we build, like brand new, for example, um, the payments portal, that that's actually easier for us. You know, we we kind of are starting from scratch. We can lay out the databases that are going to hold the data. We can lay out all the new, um, you know, all the new user interfaces that that we're going to use, and we're just kind of starting fresh. So, um, any any kind of new functionality typically is easier, which you know maybe is not you know, normally what people would think, um, you know, updating, updating something is definitely harder because you're, you're using the infrastructure that you thought was going to work, you know, five years ago. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, it could still work, but you, you know, you always have to make updates to it and you always want to add new things to, to what you're going to rebuild. Um, so just to give everybody an idea, we, um, as the team has, has built that has, you know, been built out more, we, we had to kind of hone in on, on how we were going to kind of construct our, our development efforts. Um, before, like I said, when it was just me and Hewitt, it was kind of like, oh, we got to work on this. And, and you know, we'd plan it out and, and we'd build it. And that would be it. It didn't matter how long it took or, you know, what issues we ran into. We just you know, kind of go through it. And w- when you start to grow your team like anything, you know, you have to have more of a process than that. Um, so it was, you know, we've experimented with a lot of different methods and for us, um, you know, what has worked are, are what we call these development cycles. Um, there's a, there's a company in, in Chicago, a software company that, um, shadowed for a little bit that, um, you know, we, we kind of took that template from, but basically I, I spend a, a couple of weeks planning, um, what features we're going to build. Um, you know, Hugh and I usually chat about, what the customers have been asking for lately, what issues they're running into. Um, and then we try to kind of slot in what we're going to develop into a six week cycle. So that could be a six week long project that, you know, is a full rebuild of something. Um, so for example, right now we're, we're working on uh, updating our, our messaging system, our conversations and notifications. Um, that's going to take a full six weeks, but you know, something, something like, um, you know, updating, updating a display in the weight room view, that might be like a two week cycle where you just have to modify the interface. Um, 
So, so just to use the conversations as an example, we have messaging in Team Builder. Um, we already have databases, so we need to take those into account. Um, but we want to add new features. You know, we want people to be able to schedule when messages go out. We want to have better text messaging capabilities. So, um, you have to figure out how you're going to use the current database and adapt it. Um, and then, you know, we have to take what the existing conversations. Um, view is that people are used to, you know, keep it somewhat familiar, but also find ways to add this new functionality. Um, so that it's usually a two week planning cycle where, where I try to write everything down that we're going to need to do. And then we have a, a meeting with the development team where we start digging into the details of like, can we get this done in six weeks or two weeks or three weeks or whatever the, the allotted time period is. Um, and, you know, scope out, scope out all the work and, you know, everybody um, you know, kind of comes together every couple weeks, just checking in to make sure everything's still on time. And, and once that six weeks hits, if we're not done it, we have to then make the decision, do we spend one more week on this to finish it? Or are we just done this and we, we move on to something else? Because sometimes you figure out that what you've been working on is, is going to take, you know, twice as long. And, and is that even going to be worth it for the customers if we spend that much more time on it? Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's a little bit of a tricky situation. Um, but, you know, it's definitely, there's definitely a lot more that goes into it than, you know, updating a couple lines of code. And <laughs> right. So one, one thing that I learned prior to just starting team builder was from a, a VP of engineering at a, another startup. And, um, you know, he, he talked about how when we add engineers, it's not like we're like doing tug of war. And then you add another body and then you kind of get that kind of output. It's more like adding a free agent to a basketball team. You kind of have to get everyone to gel together to get the productivity. It's not as simple as adding manpower. It's a little bit more complex than that. So, you know, considering we've been able to hire a couple of engineers and one, you know, pretty recently in August, can you talk about how, you know, it's not like X plus X equals two X. It's a little bit different than that. Yeah, you know, and, and and it's the timeline has has, you know, shortened, you know, in terms of getting somebody onboarded as we've done it, you know, it, it comes with like experience, like we're saying, we have we now have a formalized development cycles, you know, it's a little bit more explicit at what we're doing. Um, but, you know, in, in, in the industry that we're working in, um, you sort of have to know a little bit about weightlifting or, you know, training because otherwise you're you're going through and like okay I'm, I'm coding this for a, a lift or you know a circuit or what's for science you know it, it it almost is like you have to kind of coach them a little bit on what we're building you know and it, and it helps if they have I, I think most of our developers have some sort of experience in at least sports um, or, or some kind of training which, which is really helpful um, but the first few weeks we actually have them sit on sales calls um, you know, with, with one of the sales guys to learn like, Hey, this is what the customers are asking for. This is what, you know, team builder does for them. Um, you know, this is what the, the most important thing is the calendar, you know, how do you schedule workouts? How do you, you know, save your workouts? How do you report on them? So, you know, the onboarding does involve no matter how technically skilled they are, some education in, in our industry first. Um, and that, that can take a little bit of time, depending on what your familiarity is. And then it's, it's you know, sort of getting comfortable or figuring out what that person is most comfortable with the, on, on web applications or, or um, you know, mobile applications. There's the front end that you see, and then there's the back, back end that 
you know, does all the work that you, you don't see. And um, some people prefer one or the other or good at one or the other. So kind of figuring out where to slot those people in and, um, you know, finding out who the, you know, the creative ones are that like to you know, piece together the user interfaces. So yeah. um, it's definitely a few months until that person becomes, you know, fully efficient on the team. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's still for, for me, you know, I still do a lot of development on team builder as well. So, you know, in that, in, in that training time too, we, we become a little bit less efficient as well because like, I'm, I'm not doing as much developing as I would have typically done. So, yeah, you know, unfortunately it's not just like a plug and play type situation, but yeah. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, you know, we've been working with a, a mentor for some time, which has been good. We've never really had a, a mentor before. I think it's Ken and Drico, level five mentors, if you want to look them up. But I think some of the, one of the funniest things that Ken's like been working with us on has been like trying to teach us to like, I guess, for lack of a, a more sophisticated way of wording this, not be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just everyone knows like we're a bootstrap company, meaning that we, we actually never took any funding from an investor or from a bank or, or even a loan. So, you know, we've had to build this company very, very lean to begin with. And James and I just kind of out of necessity have been, you know, like pretty thrifty in terms of building our business. And I don't know if you can like think of any examples, James. I think about prime time. One point we knew we needed a company. Uh, yeah, we, prime time is, is the easy one. Um, we bought his old 80, 80, what? It was like an 80 something Dodge Ram van. Or, well, we, uh, didn't, we didn't even have an office for very long time you know i, I yeah, think true. luke luke when he was on here was like working in in my basement for a little bit you know so, yeah um and even then i mean we you know again we're, we're in an industrial park and and yeah you know, desk for the employees but uh, you know we, we try to have some snacks at costco, we, we shop at costco or we we did when people were here we get this office snacks from costco um, oh we shared hotel rooms and beds all the time mm -hmm. um Airbnbs, just to get by in those conferences. Remember one time, the very first NSCA conference we went to, we needed a TV to kind of run like a PowerPoint on. And I took my parents' <laughs> flat screen TV in Nashville, for, borrowed it for a couple of days, and my dad called me. He goes, where the hell is my TV? <laughs> yeah, we got lucky that the first conference was right down the street from your parents' house. Yeah. And then, the, yeah. and then the second one might, was my uh, was my dad's my dad's fraternity brother or one of his one of his best friends in uh, Indianapolis put us up. Yeah, yeah, we stayed at like a. For me, it was like fourth degree connection, like his <laughs> dad's friend. I was like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> um, it's, I remember I remember that one well because we had a long day of driving through the snow and and setting up at the conference, and we went to that. Do you remember that pizza place? Mm -hmm. we, we went to that pizza place to, we were so hungry i can't even remember what it was called we went to the pizza place and ordered a pizza and then they handed it to us uncooked and wrapped and so we had to go back home you know to my my, my father's friend's house ask to borrow their oven ask to use their oven and they're like oh you didn't know that pizza isn't cooked you know <laughs> uh, was, uh, and uh, oh. yeah we drove, we drove through like what eight hours through the snow to get there, but we, we wouldn't fly for a long time. We were just trying yeah. to save money. So. Yeah, that's true. And um, 
So, you know, the idea behind it, not being cheap anymore, is like at some point you have to take risks and use some of the money that you have to try different things. And, and that's what, you know, Ken, I think, is trying to get at. Um, so, you know, I think it's, we should be clear right now, like, as thrifty as we are, we do believe in some things. And for one, that's, we're not going to be cheap when it comes to our salaries, uh, our employee salaries. Mm. Like, we really believe in people earning a fair wage, maybe even like a generous wage. Um, we decided to set up our benefits or our company to be really generous. Um, we, we asked to, to match 401k contributions as early as legally possible, which is three months of employment. Uh, we offer unlimited vacation days. Um, and just some of the policy behind that is, or the, the philosophy behind that is, you know, we believe in like quality of life as being a real thing. And we want that to be really, really achievable for people who work at Team Build and really everyone, right? Like having a better quality of life just benefits everyone, makes for happier people, less stressed out people. Um, you know, it allows people the opportunity to do great things and put their energy and effort into things outside of work, like volunteering or fostering dogs or whatever. You know, and and you and I, you know, both worked other jobs while we were trying to get this going and for the most part, you get two weeks, if that, a vacation. And, and like, you're kind of scared to ask to take off. Yeah. You know, like, um, especially if you're working at a smaller company, you know, that it means, you know, you have more responsibilities, but we didn't want that to be, you know, an issue here. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure as we've grown the team, it's, it's a little bit easier when somebody wants to take off, you know, before it was, it was definitely hard, but yeah. I wanted to make that some kind of blocker from living your life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, we're we're working on you know being a little bit more risk taking with some of the things that we spend on as far as marketing and advertising and those things. But um, it's just a mindset thing, you know. Being frugal is like our way of surviving early on because you know Team Builder's been around eight years, but we took like the long and slow growth growth kind of approach. Like the first couple of years, we didn't have any customers. We were working full-time jobs, like you said, you know, um, and then working on team builder nights and weekends. Do you remember those days where it's like you and me in the basement? And there were so many days where you were just coding your ass off. And I was just like, it was late at night. So I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I can't call people. Like, you know, I'm like, how, and it was kind of frustrating uh, for me at some points because nights and weekends only go so far as far as productivity goes, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we made sure to take care of the customers though. I mean, it, you would, uh, you'd like pull your lunch break early or something to get, <laughs> to get a sales call in during the day, yeah. or we'd be, you know, answering support on the side, you know, at, yeah. uh, so, you know, fortunately for, for, you know, the internet, we were able to, to kind of do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dude, I remember one time at my, at my job, I, I had sales calls starting at 9 a.m. I would get there at 7 a.m. and do team builder sales calls from 7 to 9. And I would do it like this little closet so that I wouldn't be out in the open, you know, working on my own thing at the workplace. Yeah. And I remember this colleague of mine decided to come in early that morning. And he like heard me the whole time outside this closet doing team builder sales calls. And when I walked out, like just before 9 a.m. to start my work day, he was like, what were you doing in there? And I was like... <laughs> It was like a moral dilemma for me. I was like, do I just tell this guy or or, or, or do I just mind your own goddamn business? You know, I don't know what to say there. 
Um, but that got pretty stressful towards the end because like before and after work or lunch calls at work, I was getting calls from my day job and calls from my team builder customers needing support. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm working two jobs at the same time. Looking back on it, I I don't I don't know that I don't know how we did. I don't really remember, I guess. It wasn't it was it was fun. You know, we were like passionate about it and And we were really young, really young, no kids. uh, 21 at the time and uh, yeah. I thought we're old and we're only 30 but um <laughs> you know yeah I, I have two kids now I can't imagine I mean we were staying up to like two in the morning and then we go to work at 7 a.m the next day <laughs> you know it's like yeah just don't even really think about it at, at the time um but but yeah I mean it <laughs> it was uh and, you know, fortunately for us too, I mean, the strength coaches are up early and up late. So it, yeah, you know, at least I had plenty of demos at 7 a.m. Right. I had plenty of demos at 7 a.m. You know, coaches would, would, would do them. Um, but, you know, like bootstrapping a company while you're working your main job, that's, that's definitely a young man's game. Like you said, we're not that old, but it, it really does take a lot of energy. And I look back on those days and I'm like, damn, I wonder if we could do it again. And, you know, I really do wonder if we could do it again. I don't know. I think, I think we, do lot, we do it a lot smarter, probably. We, we do it so much smarter. We'd be so much more efficient with it. Um, you're totally right about that. We, well, I mean, like, we like you just mentioned, uh, you know, working with Ken the last, I mean, how long has it been? Like six, seven months or something like that? Yeah, almost half a year, yeah. Um, yeah, prior to that, I mean, yeah, we were just kind of, making it up as we went along you know we only took yeah. a few courses in, in school and I, I don't really know those even really help you when you get into the real world um yeah but uh you know it uh it's been nice to you know have so you know i, I think you know my, my dad had you know run a business for a while um and um you know i think we both worked in in environments where yeah i think small companies where you know, we were able to learn from them, you know, yeah. through osmosis, I guess. Um, so yeah. I, we were just randomly making decisions, but, um, you know, it definitely, definitely feels good to, you know, be working with someone now and know that, that what we've done up to this point has, you know, more or less been the, yeah. right, the right way. You know, we just need some more guidance as we continue to grow. Yeah. I will say though, James, that for all the people who tried to help us start our business between your dad and like our network and like, especially like our alumni network, like our alma mater, John Hopkins, we were starting a pretty novel, like internet based technology based business. And a lot of people who, who, you know, tried to help were really kind of, this was a new territory for them as well. So like your dad, for instance, runs a very brick and mortar business. Um, and a, a recurring software license that, that pe- people like him just don't even know that existed, you yeah, know, at that point. Exactly. In time. You know, I was working in, in IT at the car dealerships and they, they were on like a, we need to sell this car. We need to get them in for service. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like this yeah. online subscription. It's just not yeah. even fathom what, you know, what that is. So we had to figure a lot of stuff out on our own because we were kind of building a, 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 a product and like a new generation of businesses. Um, you know, a lot of the professors at Hopkins who try to, you know, advise us to whatever, this is very new to them too. You know, I remember them, 
you know, not really grasping the concept of a of a software license on a recurring, you know, basis. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that 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 kind of leads into, you know, what's always been the, you know, not not an issue, but a constant debate on Team Builder. It was it was always the pricing. Yeah. You know, like we, you know, we we didn't, you know, like you said, take any money for this, so we could kind of price it however we wanted, and, you know we figured out early on that, that school budgets just, you know, they're not that big for the strength and conditioning department. So we wanted to make sure what we were building was affordable, but could also, you know, pay the yeah. bills. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's been something we've, we've tinkered with as, as we've grown, but tried to keep that, you know, in line with those values. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of brings me to the, when we talk about pricing, you know, every, not to talk show on other vendors, right? There, I like all the vendors in our space for the most part. I'm really happy to to talk shop with them about being a vendor and strength and conditioning. But so many vendors are obsessed about the high school space, and they're like, there are so many high schools. Like high schools need this, high schools need that. But what they don't think about is is that like high schools have budgets limitations, not just in athletics and strength and conditioning, but across the board. So many vendors try to come in and sell five, ten thousand dollar products or licenses to high schools. And we found out really early on, man, if you don't make something really budget friendly, you know, they can leverage product, but it's just not gonna happen. And being a bootstrap company that never took investment meant that we didn't have investors to have to show revenue or profit for. We didn't have that kind of pressure financially. And that allowed us to kind of match. The market as far as price making and not have to try to force the high high price product down you know high school throats and that's kind of what built our business as in high schools are are definitely the majority of our customers up until now mm -hmm. yeah no and, and you know it it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year i mean i can only imagine that that budgets are going to get cut so having, yeah. having one of those high priced items i mean i, I got to imagine if you're an ad you're going to just start taking those off. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how, how that's going to work next year, but, um, you know, and that's kind of been, you know, part of the reason for our, you know, getting more into the personal training market, mm. you know, for that. And also because, you know, what's happening to these gym owners, you know, yeah. Um, you know, Hewitt and I, have, or you and I have, have always talked about, you know, the best part about Team Builder is when, you know, again, we bring up the conferences, you go to a conference or you, you get an email or a call from a coach and they, they tell you that you saved, you know, two hours of their night or week. Um, they got to have dinner with their family because they weren't writing out workout cards or, um, you know, programming macros in Excel, you know, for their yeah. max calculations. Um, that's That's been the best part of all of this, you know, what what we have been working on is actually helping people, um, you know, hopefully do their job more efficiently, but potentially spend more time with their loved ones or their, you know, or their other passions. Um, yeah. And I, I think we, we were excited to have another opportunity to, to do that when, when COVID happened, you know, um, we, we work with a lot of gym owners and obviously a lot of them are shut down. Um, so being able to, you know, work on, you know, a, a new feature that that allowed 
you know, those, those owners to potentially sell their programming online and, you know, at least hopefully make some money to, to keep the lights on until when, when they can come yeah. back full time. I mean, that's, that's been a fun thing to work on too, because I know it is hopefully impactful yeah. uh, to our customers. Definitely. It's, you know, that's kind of the fuel for our employees as well, like stirring up passion within them. By the way, our, our entire office is millennials. Everyone who works at our office is, is in the millennial age range. And, you know, if you like get into TED Talks and, and research about millennials, what motivates them, they, they really want to work in companies that make an impact. You know, not just an impact on the company's financials, but just an impact on the world in general. And being able to take testimonials and coaches and throw them in the Slack channel and remind everyone, look, this is making a difference in people's quality of life. That's been good for uh, like uh, you know, steering the compass for our employees. Um, you know, not to take away from the dignity of work for other industries, but you know, like the office, for example, it's kind of on a, you know, the show, The Office. Um, that's kind of like a, that's kind of like a, um, um, you know, uh, a thought-provoking piece on like corporate office jobs and you know, selling paper and people kind of being apathetic about you know, paper is important; it has to be sold. People need to use it, but you know, there's some sort of apathy associated with. What you know, jobs that just are very kind of process based and don't focus on the outcomes of customers. And feel really fortunate to be able to, you know, get coaches that email me during COVID and say, you know, you saved my job during COVID. I was able to have an impact on student athletes. You know, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me coming to work every day. You know, and it's, you know, again we again we come back to the conferences. You know, the the best part was you know seeing seeing the customers and. And, you know, as strength coaches that, you know, we got to know really well and, and, you know, that's, that's kind of always been like an extension of our, our customer support too, you know, where, you know, we like to make a connection with them and, and, you know, I guess now we might see them on, on zoom, whereas before nobody would ever have their video camera on when we would, you know, do a demo or something, Um, you know, but I, I think that's always been one of our, our values as well. Just, you know, from the start, you know, we, you know, we're not just uh, out here trying to, you know, sell to everybody. We, we actually want to have a relationship with, with these coaches in the industry and um, want to make sure that, you know, they're paying their budget money or their hard earned money for the software. And, and we want them to feel like they're supported at all times. So, yeah, yeah, we definitely prefer having good relationships with customers. Um, you know, some people like to just have an arm length relationship with vendors and that's, that's totally fine. Um, but you know, I, I like being Facebook friends with everyone who uses team builder. I like, you know, having my cell phone number out there for the most part, if they're not calling <laughs> on Saturday night. Um, but James, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but like, you know, you, you deserve the credit for the culture of, um, customer support here at team builder. Cause I remember when we first had a couple of first customers, um, we would get like a support request, like at an odd hour, like at night or something. And you would reply to them like right away, really thoroughly. And I was like, oh, damn, like we're not just an eight to five support company. Like we're answering at all hours of the day. And you kind of set that tone. And I remember like, you know, when, when my wife and I were first dating, 
I would be like on my phone answering support emails at like 11 o'clock at night. And she was like, what the hell are you doing? Definitely a little Dude. bit of a toxic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to have your phone out all the time. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you we know. had to peel back from that, but that's how it was in the beginning. And I was like, no, 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 this is how we're running the company. We're answering support emails at all hours of the day as long as we're yeah. awake. She thought it was crazy. You know, and I think part of it too was, you know, the people that were using it early on, they knew that that we were in the process of building it out. I mean, there was, you know, there were any number of issues or new things. I mean, it was so basic at the time that, um, you know, any customer that we got wanted to make sure or any lead, you know, any, any person that signed up to try team builder that yeah. they got a good experience. And if something was wrong, that it was, you know, fixed, obviously as the, the program has grown significantly, you know, there's a long list of things to fix or, or add, you know, add on, like we were talking about, and it's about prioritizing at that point. Um, but still, you know, as long as we give them an explanation now, you know, it's important to say like, hey, we don't have this yet. Yeah. But we want to look at it. There's something here. Or, hey, we understand this is, you know, they're not working. We're going to look at it and, and get that patched up and, and keeping that communication going. You know, I think most people, a lot of people have experiences, especially with online companies where you can't just go in and, you know, go into the store and complain that something's broken, you know. Um, sometimes you just never get a response back and that that sucks so i, th yeah. I think i think you and i did a pretty good job maybe too good because then people were emailing us and calling us uh, all the time but yeah the beginning of, of setting that tone um and we've made it a point for everybody that's come on that that's what we expect and and i think our customers have come to expect that too you know they they and they and their understanding of, of our situation too so yeah yeah. And, um, you know, another thing about support is speaking directly, you know, about issues is, is probably refreshing to people because you ever got an email back from like a corporate support person and they're like, sorry for the inconvenience. You know, it's such an empty phrase. Like early on, you know, we've, ta we've taught the employees like no empty phrases, you know, like if something's not working, just say you're right. It's not working and it should be. And, and I know this sucks and we're going to work on it. And this is what we're doing. You know, don't, don't cover up and, and don't give empty, you know, apologies or phrases or try to buy yourself time. That doesn't, train coaches don't, don't do that. Yeah. You know, that's not their, their personality. Any, unfortunately, any software that you're going to use, it has bugs. It's just inevitable. You know, I mean, you, you worked at a couple of software companies, you, you, you know, that, um, and you know, I, so, you know, if, if someone complains about something like, you know, something's wrong for sure. But you, like you said, it's important to tell them, Hey, like, we know this is wrong. We're, we got, we're going to fix it. You know, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately it's just inevitable with, with software. But. Yeah. Um, let's, let's finish up talking a little bit about like our personal fitness regimens over the years. You and I have, had like a mixed bag of what we do for fitness. It's kind of been funny. It's always, it's always changing. Um, you know, I, I guess it really started with, with college, right? Um, yeah. We were doing the CrossFit football um, workouts and I, I guess, you know, I probably haven't been in better shape then. I mean, luckily I didn't yeah. get injured or anything. Um, 
but right. you, do, you do your big lifts and then you do a, you know, you do a big circuit and, and, and try to be at the top of the yeah. circuit leaderboard. I mean, that, that, that was the main, you know, inspiration for team builder at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and then when, once you graduate college though, I mean, when you have someone prescribing you the workouts and then you go, you know, on your own, I would just go to Gold's gym and pump out some bench press. And so I was just going to talk about Gold's gym. So <laughs> when you and I, when you and I lived together at, uh, um, after college, we didn't really know what we were doing in the gym. And we would go to Gold's gym probably every single night after mm-hmm. work at like seven to eight o'clock at night. And we would just hit machines. We were just doing random stuff, but we didn't know it, but we were probably getting a lot of volume in. And we were eating three square meals a day, probably eating better than we did in college because we'd go home and have a huge dinner. And I remember coming home for like Christmas break one time. And my dad was like, have you been working out? Like, and we weren't doing anything. We're just going to Gold's Gym, just doing machines like four or five sets of 10, you know, hitting like these pure hypertrophy ranges. Making sure sure we got the curls in, you know. Yeah. You know, it was so funny. We weren't doing Olympic lifting or squatting. None of the stuff that we really needed from an athletic performance standpoint. But we were probably getting it in like six days a week, you know. Yeah. Well, and they, they also, we would always also finish up with the cardio cinema at Gold's Gym. They'd have a great yeah. meal and you could just, you know, cool down yeah. on your treadmill. Probably like an hour and a half, six days a week I, I, at that yeah, point. Sure. <laughs> well, um, when you don't have any, when you don't have a wife or kids, uh, it's easy. Yeah, yeah it's very easy. And then we got the home gym, right? We got the road set at the home gym. And then we started working with Brute at that point. And then we really got into the Brute Body uh, programming. And that was probably... And we started doing it more as as like a QA thing, you know, to make sure that, you know, everything they put into Team Builder was working properly. And um, I think that's when we kind of added like the video ability into Team Builder. So we were, yeah. you know, we were testing out to make sure everything's working and, and kind of got hooked on, on doing it, uh, yeah. doing the circuits. Um, and we did that for a, a while. I, I don't yeah. know how long, but. Um. Yeah. And so like at some point, my fitness journey kind of changed when I got into the whole 30. So the whole 30 is this really extreme kind of diet. It's not sustainable, but what it kind of taught me was like the importance of nutrition and then I started getting into like these longer sessions where I was doing a lot more cardio, like going for runs and then after runs, going for bike rides. I think I got down to like body weight wise, went from like 200 down to like 180, like really, really little. Um, felt great. Um, and I, that was like two or three years. And then at some point, for some reason, I was just like, you know, I kind of want to fill out a shirt, you know, I was like small, but strong and definitely healthy. And then that's when I started getting into, you know, eating at a caloric surplus and kind of lifting heavier, shorter sessions, less cardio. And I'm, I'm in kind of on that train for a couple of years now and pen and paper strength app. is kind of like, I've kind of, kind of gravitated towards those kinds of workouts as opposed right, to. Those are good ones. Yeah. And they wrote um, you in with Squatober, and then you're like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of, I've been into that for a couple of years now. And then you've gotten into cycling more. Yeah, I, I started doing, doing cycling a little bit more. You know, once once we had the kids, um, you know, an hour long workout was not uh, really on the table as much anymore because yeah, it's uh-huh. 
you know, I, we'd work all day and then come home and it's my only time. Yeah. With the so, and, and then you're exhausted. Um, anyway, so, you know, after the kids go to bed, you're like, I don't know if I can get an hour long workout in, which I probably should have, but, um, you know, I, I got, I had my, my road bike and I hooked it up to, uh, you know, one of those trainers and I would, I would just do that. And I, I'd, I'd lift, you know, I still had the, the gym in the garage. So, you know, I'd do some bench press and, you know, all the, the vanity lifts. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, and occasionally we do pen and paper strength app or when we were in the office, Luke and I would do, you know, coach fit or the coach program, program. Which, by the way, for a three day week program, that's a very potent program. If you yeah, stick to coach yeah. it for 10 weeks, you're going to see some results. And then, and then we had a brief moment where we started the team builder running club and, uh, that uh-huh. was a few weeks. And then one of the people, one of the, someone got injured and, and that was the end of the team builder running club. But, yeah. Uh, and now I've, I've been Pelotoning a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, it's a great workout though. I mean, it, yeah. Uh, 30, 30, 45 minutes, get a good sweat on and then, uh, hit a little bit of weight, weightlifting. I figure when the kids get older, I'll get back into, uh, you know, more of the, at some point I want to get back more into, you know, some structured lifting, but yeah, for now I'm just trying to, to avoid the full dad bod, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're, you just got to fit it in with what your lifestyle is and what it can accommodate. You got to be realistic. I know when I start having kids, brute body is not going to be in the cars, hour and a half workouts <laughs> with 30 minute circuits at the end. Um, you know, that's just not going to happen. So admittedly for me, I've been so excited about being able to spend time outdoors, mostly skiing, that I've been kind of letting weightlifting kind of go by the wayside because I just enjoy being outside, you know, for once. I've spent more time outside. Same thing happened when we joined the soccer team, right? Yeah. You you feel feel just as good after running around for an hour on the soccer field as you do getting a good lift in. So, um you know, definitely if we were doing like three or four days a week lifting, then it cut back to maybe two and, and a couple of good days of soccer in there. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, everyone at the office has their, um, you know, their outlet for fitness, but we've never really been a company about, you know, like, Hey, we're a strength and conditioning software. So everyone here should, you know, get in the gym and get some squats. It's kind of like to each their own, you know? Yeah whatever your method is of, you know, getting some fitness in, go for it. Um, and that's been kind of interesting. We've got a big mixed bag in the office of who likes to do what, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, although we might, I might have to start hitting the iron again before conference season rolls around, you know, I can't. Yeah. Especially the CSCCA. That's the, there's a lot of pressure on that one. When we go back there. I'll be, I'll that, be yeah. Yeah. You gotta have, you gotta build some street cred out there. <laughs> With the, with the coaches, with the trainers. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the power of having something knowledgeable in your life also helps too. We have so many coaches that that are huge resources and knowledge that we're never short on people that can, you know, answer our questions when it comes to a fitness or training. That's for sure. I'm sure any kind of training program we would want to do, we, we could find someone to, to get it to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, man, I, you know, that's, that's a good talk. We've covered a lot. I don't know if there's anything else that, uh, would be, uh, relevant or important that we talked about 
totally important thing that I think maybe it's just helpful for people to kind of get a look behind the curtain and get an update on how we're doing. Because remember, for the longest time, it was just you and me. I remember Blair Wagner called us the two the two main wrecking crew because it was just us two, <laughs> no one else doing team builder people. The, the goal back then was to make us appear like a bigger company than we were, right? Like, yeah. And we had we had that one phone number that that when you dialed it, it rang both of our phones at the same time. So it seemed like, <laughs> yeah, whoever picked up first. Yeah, I know. And we're, we still are a pretty lean and small company. I think we like it that way. It just keeps our efforts really, 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 really laser focused on, you know, what's important for us. Um, you know, I guess it's fair to say, Jane, we're not like obsessed with growth. Because um, what's the point? You know, if you grow at all costs, you're going to leave some people behind. You're going to, you know, sacrifice some things. And I yeah, think the goal for us is I think the grow at all costs, you sacrifice the one thing that we really is really a pillar for us, which is the support. You know, unless you're you know, onboarding a ton of support people as you you know, just go try to get as many clients as you can, your support's going to suffer. And that's, you know, that's an important part of, of, of what you pay for at Team Builder, too, you know? Yeah. So and it's kind of a, and kind of to your point earlier of, of us not not as being cheap, but like, you know, we only hire a position when we we find that, you know, the current people have, you know, too much on their plate at that point. You know, we hire yeah. when we need to, not just because we want to bring somebody on board. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think steady, consistent growth, enough enough growth to allow us to afford to bring on more people to kind of help accomplish our goals is the idea, especially engineers. I mean, we've always said that we're a product first company. We don't hire a salesman over an engineer, um, you know, just to sell more software. We want to build a really good long-term product that's like built to last. And you don't build built to last products by bringing on huge sales team. Um, it's done by putting a lot of effort into the, the product itself. So right now, including you, we have three or well, four engineers, but probably more like five or six if you include, yeah, you know, contractors that we use. Yeah. And we have a three person sales team. So our dev team is twice as big as our sales team. And that, in my opinion, the way it should be. I mean, um, what's the point of hiring six salespeople to sell a product that three people are working on? You know, it's. Well, and at the same time too, you know, you get, if you get a bunch of people interested in the product and, and they buy it, you know, you want to make sure that that product is good because other, you know, you want them to stick around. That's, that's the whole, yeah. you know, that's the whole point of the software business is you want them to stick around and feel like they're getting value for what they're paying for. Hopefully more value than what they're paying for. Yeah. More value. And you know our best salespeople are um, our customers. You know, the, the word of mouth thing is so big for us. And what's interesting is that we've tried things like gift cards and like we've tried like these material incentives to kind of help boost word of mouth, but none of that really works. Um, word of mouth is kind of an organic thing that needs to come from you know the customer's own volition. Um, and the way you do that is to give them a great product and to support it really well. And then the word of mouth referrals will kind of come from there. Yeah, no, we, we've always, you know, appreciated our, our customers for doing that. And, and, you know, like you said, we, you know, we're always looking at, you know, how our customers are finding out about team builder, you know, it was always yeah. fun early on too, 
you know, back, back when we were first starting, um, you know, one of the coaches said he found us on like page seven of Google, which you know, most people don't even know Google goes past one page. So, um, you know, so we're always trying to figure out like, Hey, you know, how'd you find out about us? And overwhelmingly every month it's coach, you know? And yeah. I, so, you know, we've been very, you know, fortunate and appreciative of that. Yeah. So we, we try to ask for referrals, but we also don't try to be, you know, out there with their hand out, like, you know, the most important thing is that we service the customer. The referrals will just come as a, as a process. So it's worked for us so far. I guess it'll work for us, you know, ongoing in the future. Um, all right. Well, we got uh, work to do. We can't sit all day and uh, do this podcast, but, you know, just in case people were interested, I've been interviewing people for our, our podcast and, at some point, I felt like, hey, it might be good, you know, especially around the holiday time to um, James and I just kind of sit down and do a little solo cast together and uh, do a little reflection on the, the company and kind of, you know, again, get people a look behind the curtain. On, uh, yeah, exactly. and, and, you know, people would have, you know, met us at, at conferences throughout the year, you know, and yeah. that was always our way of, you know, introducing ourselves and, and kind of getting that inside look at Team Builder, which you know, doesn't, doesn't look like we'll be able to do for, for a while. So I think the timing is, is good too for that. Yeah, definitely good. De- definitely looking forward to getting back to conferences. It's one of the main themes of our talk today is, you know, we really enjoyed getting out from our office and, and shaking hands and meeting our, our customers face-to-face. It's a really big part of our, our company. So hopefully we can get back to that. But otherwise, you, you know, coaches out there, it, you know, James and I, are, we're an open line. I know we're as the company gets bigger, and if you ask a question, you might get a support person or a salesperson. But James and I, we're not going anywhere. If you want to talk shop and hit us up, nothing prevents you from doing that. All our information is out there, and um, we love doing it. And I think a good time to do it is now, as the holidays come up. You know, we're less involved in the day-to-day kind of email. I would, you know, like to to talk to some people and kind of catch up on that front. So I'm looking forward to hearing from some folks. Yeah. You're gonna have to hold some like office hours like back in college, you know? <laughs> get some time with the professor. Yeah, get some time. Um, all right, well, we'll wrap it up then. We'll get back to work here. And uh, Jane, thanks for taking some time out of your, your busy dev schedule to, to do this with me. Yeah, thanks, it's been fun. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you would like us to discuss on our format, go ahead and reach out to me. My email is hewitt at teambuilder.com. Thanks again for listening.